0: This is a Crowd Podcast.
1: Hello, I'm Garrett Thomas. And I'm Tom Fordyce. And you've just entered the Garrett Thomas Cycling Club. Brought to you by Zwift, the indoor cycling app where everyone from rookies to pros finds their fun.
0: Croeso. That's a bit of
1: Welsh for you. Nice to see you, G. You been up to anything recently?
0: Oh, not much, mate. Just a bit of a lap of France. A little stint in, I was going to say Belgium, Denmark. <laughs> uh, I'm tired now, to be honest. Yeah. How are you?
1: I'm all right. I've not been as busy as you, but it has been a very enjoyable three weeks watching you on your way round Denmark and then France. Do you know what I thought I've had in my head, actually, for the last three weeks? We've talked quite a lot on this show and in your books about your very first Tour de France in 2007... When you were riding for the slightly shonky at times Italian team timbalo world and you were just in a world of pain and as I've watched you in the last three weeks it seemed as if you've demonstrated every single lesson that you've learned in every tour you've done since then this time around.
0: Yeah, it did kind of feel a bit like that. It was um, obviously there's the two young snappers these days, isn't it? Jonas Bingergaard and um, Tadej Pogacar. Who we've had on this pod. But, yeah, well, there was just no point in trying to follow them when they were sprinting up mountains, basically, for, like, ten seconds at a time, or longer, or whatever it was. <laughs> so, yeah, it was just all about, well, as I was saying, in the team was just all about getting to Paris as quickly as possible, isn't it? So, don't want to burn your matches too, too soon and all that. And, yeah, I think, you yeah, know, as a team... We raced as best as we could. We had the team classification, which was great in the end. It's basically the first three riders count towards that, rather than just one. And then the team times are added together. So it was nice to win that, because we all got to go on the podium then, all together, which never really happens. Um, when it once before was Sky in 2017. So yeah, that's yeah, it's a team sport in it, cycling, but only one person gets to stand on the podium most of the time. So that was good that we all got it there. And yeah, with me, just yeah trying to use all that experience and wisdom I've gained because once I stop racing, I'll have nothing then, will I? In the real world, I've got no wisdom or experience just in <laughs> cycling. So I have to make use of it while i still got it.
1: So we're chatting a couple of days after the tour has ended. You are on your travels. You haven't been home yet. You're on your way to Birmingham for the Commonwealth Games. So if people think you sound slightly different, it's because you're on your phone rather than your usual expensive mic setup. So I've got a couple of post-tour questions for you, G. Um, a quick checklist. Number of beers drunk since the Champs-Elysees? <laughs> oh, man.
0: Well, I had three during like the presentation of getting... You know, going on the podium. After that, it's a bit more blurry, to be honest. I don't really remember what time I ended up going to bed or how much I'd had, but it probably would have been double figures. Um, <laughs> Max was on top form, though. He, um, yeah, I think he went to bed about eleven, and that was only because I was feeling them well. So they went up to bed, and then I went back down for a couple of extras. Yeah, big night to be honest. Monday was Monday was
1: a struggle, not going to lie. Did Max keep on the sunglasses that he was wearing on the podium? Did he keep them on in the <laughs> nightclub you ended up in?
0: Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> All scratched up lenses. But uh, yeah, he was styling that out, wasn't
1: he? Yeah, definitely. What about number of chips eaten?
0: Uh, well, yesterday, well, on Monday I had a burger, a pizza and nachos throughout the day. <laughs> so I kind of ticked all my boxes straight away, didn't I? Um, the party was pretty poor, the food, because we, we just had those little, what are they called, canapes. Oh, just what? Nibbles, like, oh, yeah. So then in the morning then, when you hung over, you weren't eating much. So by the time I could actually stomach something, it went down pretty quick, starving.
1: <laughs> I think my favourite meme that I saw during the tour was the one that referenced the fight in a kebab shop, where... <laughs> If people haven't seen this, there's three men having a your classic post-pub kebab shop scrap. They were pointed out to be Vinegar, Pog Archer, and roglitch. And then there was a man sitting at a table calmly looking at his phone, eating his chips and his kebab, which was you. Have you had a kebab yet?
0: No, I'm not really a kebab person, to be honest. Because you'd only really ever have that at the end of a night out, wouldn't you? And well, don't really have that many nights out anymore. Well, Sunday, obviously, but we were in the hotel, so we didn't leave. And um, I've got the games anyway, Tom, so... Of course. You know, yeah, Commonwealth Games next week, so need to try um, and stay on it now. Absolutely. quite tough at times. But, yeah.
1: Now, there was something about your demeanour at the start of the tour, and actually probably just before, because you'd obviously won the Tour of the Suisse, when we were talking about your prospects and in the, in the early days when we exchanged a few text messages, it was quite nice your sort of reading between the lines on your responses because having known you for a bit, if you're feeling good, you always play it down. right? If you're having a rough time, you'll take the mickey out of yourself. But if you're feeling good, you will always, always just try and damp it down. And that was the sense I got at this tour that you actually knew pretty early on that your legs were really good.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I was feeling good. Um, as you say, from Swiss was obviously good. But then, yeah, just at the start, like from the very first day, from the, the time trial, the legs, I was feeling in in good shape just shame shame about I've forgot to take my gilet off um, that's another story <laughs> innit um, I mean, yeah, we will come back to the by, gilet yeah as the days went by like stage four remember stage four when um, it was the first stage of the Van Art one when we went up that little kicker like a yeah when he broke tape. away yeah I did my best ever one minute power up there did you my lifetime best for one minute so yeah at that point then I was like yeah I'm definitely uh feeling pretty good because that's not necessarily my strength anyway you don't win the tour with one minute powers anyway but it was still close to 20 watts better than what i'd ever done before so that was pretty good and um yeah like every day pretty much was just feeling yeah just confident riding well and it just kind of built from there really
1: as soon as we got to anything lumpy and uh the two riders in first and second continued to do what you've just described them doing, which was to attack each other and go off the front. It was a bit like watching a snooker match between like a grinder, like a John Higgins, or maybe even a sort I know Stephen Hendry wasn't a grinder, but someone who just gradually built their brakes against someone like a Judd Trump or a young Ronnie. Because you had these two youngsters just going hammer and tongs, bah, 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 and it's all fireworks and it's all drama and everyone's screaming. And then just the slightly older gentleman behind, just taking his time and catching mm-hmm. them up in his own time. <laughs>
0: Making it sound boring.
1: <laughs> Controlled, <laughs> I would say, rather than
0: boring. Controlled. Well, yeah, that's that kind of like the best way of me getting to the top of the climb quickest, really. And um, knew they were sort of in that deep in their own battle and they would... They wouldn't continue... Well, whoever had attacked wouldn't continue if the other guy was just sat behind them. So I knew they'd slow up. And yeah, obviously the first day that that really happened was up when we did Telegraph and then galibier which is a massive climb, pretty much. It goes to 2,600 metres. I think Telegraph is maybe 10, 11k. You drop down to 5k and then you do another 17k, maybe. That's a lot of uphill, you know, in one go. And yeah... It was just bonkers, really. That whole thing started. It just ended up being me and them 3 Roglic, Ringgaard and Pogaccia. The two jumper riders just attacking um, Pogaccia. I was just sort of like sat there watching it, just thinking, I'm going to make some money out of corporate rides when I come back up here
1: in two years' time. (laughs) Let me tell (laughs) you all about that stage.
0: (laughs) No, seriously, I was just like, i am obviously got to accelerate, but I'm not going to attempt to just like sprint, like these guys are doing, just try and save a few bullets. And part of me was like, it'd be easier if I was just in the group behind, like just coming back, having somebody else like, bring everyone back because eventually they did stop, you know? And like, if you think about it, by sprinting for, I don't know, 15, 20 seconds and then stopping for the same amount of time, it, that's not the most efficient way of going up a hill or the quickest way. So eventually the group come back and then it settled down a bit and then it kicked off again. What day was that? That was, I was grand on. So then we finished at altitude again and Pagacha then blew up like spectacularly. The first time we've ever seen him have a bad day really. Yeah, I gained time on him. That, that was actually quite a nice moment to to drop Pagacha because he's only, what, 23 I think? And um, there's not going to be many times that happens over the years to come. So it's <laughs> nice to be able to do that. So yeah, that was a big day. That was probably the most exciting day i would have thought for people back home
1: yeah i think most people watching have felt this was an absolute classic of a tour to watch so i suppose that's the my next question is when you are inside it when you're at the pointy end of it if you can appreciate the race that you are part of and that you are helping to create or whether it's just oh my god this hurts when's it going to (laughs) finish
0: uh no you do like i think maybe just because i'm older now anyway and able to just take it in a bit more but yeah you definitely got that sense that this was um definitely different and certainly different style of racing to what the tour normally is like a lot of the climbs most of the big days I think if we had four climbs for example by the third climb they'd be like one guy you know followed by two followed by another two or three it was like it was the last climb of the day um, we start to go down and do another one so um, that was different obviously the racing at the start there was no real control like UAE, when they had the jersey, didn't try to control it at all, really, just let the racing happen. And then the course lent itself to that as well. There was always like an uphill finish, so the sprinters' teams weren't overly keen. In the whole tour, we had three proper bunch sprints, where all the sprinters were there sprinting for the line. Two of them were in Denmark on stage two and three, and the third one was in on the bloody Champs-Élysées. Like, that's unheard of, I think, in in the tour, so... So that meant breakaways had more chance, which meant people wanted to get in them more, which meant you're racing for an hour, hour and a half at like the start of every day. So there was no real letter. There was a lot of tailwind as well, actually. Like we don't think we had one day, but we didn't have one day there was headwind all day. So I just meant that it was quicker anyway, which was nice. Just sort of finished the day half an hour earlier than what was predicted, which is quite nice. But um so yeah, it was just intense and it was yeah, stuff happening every day. It was hot as well. I think it's one of the hottest tours in recent um, history. Well, as even back in the UK, it was was pretty warm at times, wasn't it? So, but yeah, going back to what you originally asked, yeah, I was able to soak it up a bit, enjoy it and realise that, yeah, it's probably going to be a tour that people talk about for a while.
1: On that stage that you've referenced, the one at the Telegraph and the Glibier, when you could see what, Yumbo Vizma were trying to do to Pugacha because it's that it's at that point that cycling is at its most cruel in some ways, isn't it? Because yeah. it was just like it was like jackals taking bites out of the ass of an elephant. Like each bite wasn't going to kill the elephant, but by the end, the number of jackals who had bitten the elephant's ass meant the elephant was dead.
0: <laughs> yeah, bullies, weren't they? I was, I was going to say, come on, guys, go easy on him. <laughs> He's only twenty-three. Stop bullying him. <laughs> and hurting me in the process but um, yeah it's just um, this the way it was isn't it I think it's just it was exciting to watch and for sure he was in he, I don't think he was under too much pressure at that point but then Pogacci just got a bit carried away and then he he even had a little attack in that phase but then towards the top of livier he pushed on he wanted to get rid of the other jumbo guys I guess just to make Dan hurt a bit as well and he was just super confident and then I think it all just came tumbling down then up the, the next climb when his legs sort of went. But yeah, the whole teammate thing, that's kind of what we were hoping to to have as well in our team. With the AT and Danny. Um, but Danny got sick towards the end of the first week. So the Alps were a bit of a write-off for him. Um, and then the AT got sick towards the end. Um, Tom was, you know, in the mix-ish. You know, they were there most of the time. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, looking at the future and stuff now, I think that's probably our best chance of beating the pair of them is having at least two or three guys that are in great shape that can still be a threat to them and try and win
1: by basically bullying them.
0: (laughs) You know, bully the hell out of them, hopefully. (laughs)
1: Pulling is the future. Um, We've got loads of questions, G, from members of the GTCC. So we'll get onto those in a second. But there's one more thing that I wondered. Um, At the start of this week, you tweeted a very nice image, which was your three podiums. And it was the Garant of 2018 in the centre of the podium on the top step with his arms around the Garant of 2019 in second and the Garant of 2022 in third. And I wondered, just looking at the expressions on the three Garants on the podium there, 2018, your expression says, oh my God, I can't believe I've done it. Mm -hmm. 2019 seems to have, you're smiling, but there's a sort of sense of what might have been had things not gone the way they had in that final few days in the Pyrenees. And the expression on 2022, Garrett, was maybe the most satisfied of all.
0: Yeah, it's because I didn't look into it that much. But yeah, I guess, yeah, 18 was obviously just ecstatic. And 19 was a bit sort of, it did feel a bit anti- climax almost because stage 19 was when the stage got cancelled halfway through with the landslides they said halfway down the mountain like oh the finish was back up there by the way so we're going to take the times of everyone back up there which is a bit weird it's kind of like well we just made up a finish line that nobody was racing for but so anyway that was that day and then the next day the more landslides and the stage was shortened so it was only like 30k pretty much all uphill so, yeah, that was kind of a weird way to finish. And then, yeah, yeah, it was kind of one of them where I was like, "Wow, this could have gone so many different ways. But it is what it is. And at least a teammate one of mine, Egan. So I guess that year was a bit more subdued, I guess. And then this year, yeah, very satisfied because, yeah, as I said at the start, it was all about going there in the best shape possible and just getting the best result with what I had. And, you know, that's pretty much what I did. Um, other than the Gilet incident and maybe the crash in um, in Roubaix stage, there was no real negative or down moments, to be honest, which is, is a nice change.
1: OK, G, so you've mentioned the Gilet incident a couple of times and a lot of our listeners have also asked about the gilet. The most popular question being how much time... Do you think wearing your gilet in the opening time trial cost you?
0: Mm-hmm. Huh. How much did I lose, by? Twenty odd seconds? Easily cost me that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You can't put. I. I. I've got absolutely no idea time wise. But it was just. I frust- was just so frustrating. because so a couple of k into it, I realised I still had it on. By that point, I was like, oh, I can't really risk taking this off now. Like. There's a bit of wind around. It was obviously wet. I was like, going no-handed on a TT bike isn't the safest thing to do. And that would have been a really balls-up then if I had forgot to take it off and then tried to take it off and crashed. Might been an even better story, but, you know, <laughs> I thought better not. So I ended up just doing it all with this blinking G Leon. But, um, so yeah, that was frustrating. And I I should have blamed, I would have liked to have blamed like the Swanee who was with me at the start. It was actually the physio. Or the mechanic to sort of help, you know, gave me my bike and rolled up to the start line. But at the end of the day, it's my fault, is it? But, um, yeah. Because normally we'd ride with a jacket. Because it was quite cold. You'd put a jacket on and you'd go there. And it's obvious when you got a jacket on because of the sleeves and things, you know. <laughs> you'd, you'd notice it when you get on the on the start line. But
1: It's on your arms.
0: Yeah. With this gilet, it was an extra small one. So it was all nice and snug and toasty and warm. And... uh. Yeah, I just totally forgot to add it on.
1: Well, there are some silver linings to your, your gilet catastrophe. Um, one of which was the fact that the gilet got its own trip around the tour. Another is that I think we certainly can add gilets to the next round of GTCC official kits. <laughs> and also you are going to do a little cheeky gilet raffle, I believe.
0: Yeah, so we managed to get around the whole tour. Now it's doing the, um, the women's tour of France. So... That's going to finish up Super Planche of there, hopefully all being well. And then um, plenty of people have signed it along the way. Pogaccia actually had it at the women's tour. There was a picture with him. Well, I don't think he actually he was pictured in the same picture of the Gilet, but you know, <laughs> he's a big fan. I'm sure he just wanted <laughs> to get a picture with it. And yeah, then we're going to raffle it off, um, and then it's all going to go to charity, Gareth Thomas Cycling Trust. So yeah, trying to make a bit of Good out of a bit of a well, wasn't that bad a situation, but you know what I mean.
1: Yeah. And if people haven't heard of the Geraint Thomas Cycling Trust, this is to help people who might not have access to bikes to get them into cycling, isn't it? You've already given your first grant out to some young carers in Swansea to get them on bikes more than they might have had the chance to do otherwise?
0: Yeah, definitely. So basically like you know, a lot of a lot of kids have bikes for Christmas or whatever, don't they? And might ride them for a bit, and then they might have a puncture, and then they just get shoved in the garage, it goes all rusty. Or maybe there's nowhere for them to actually, you know, enjoy doing it where they live, or so. And it all started because I only got into it because I went swimming down the local edge centre, had an outdoor velodrome, went along, enjoyed it, and here we are today, completed the Tour de France podium, you know. So it's um, yeah, it's just making it more accessible for kids all over, all over the country, basically.
1: Nice. Well, that's a happy ending to the Gilles story. Let's have some more questions from our loyal GTCC listeners. So here is one from Pete Lloyd. Pete would like to know how you found the effort required in this tour compared to the effort required to win it in
0: 2018. Um, it's a weird one because in 2018, I never felt like I was fully under pressure. Um, it always felt like I had a little bit extra in the tank if needed. The way I raced it was... Not to go, well, as I've said before, you know, basically start the tour of a box of matches and you you want to burn your last match on the Champs Elysees bar, you know, when you're drinking at the very end, you know, if you time it right. So, yeah, I was just doing that. And, and it, in 18, kind of, it was great and it just felt like it was just everything was in control. Whereas this year, definitely under a lot more pressure and have to dig deeper. So, it was it was definitely tough, but I think um, being best of the rest was also nice. It's hard to compare the two; they're all hard. You f- you finish everyone tired. Like I'm making out like 2018, I wasn't tired. Like I maybe <laughs> had three matches left. You know, I don't know. But it was just like, um, and when you're winning as well, the pain is less, isn't it? So yeah, it's always hard. You always finish depleted and um, craving all sorts of rubbish food. <laughs>
1: Here is a question from Mike Hornby. Mike Hornby would like to know about the Jumbo Bidon distributors. So just explain, G, for those who might not have spotted this, what Mike might be referencing there.
0: Yeah, so as, as we said, it was a super hot tour, one of the hottest in years. And on one of the last Pyrenean stages, I needed a bottle. And there was some Jumbo. I don't think they were actually members of the team. I think they get their VIPs to also hand out bottles. So they can do a lot more like feed zones then basically so anyway these i see these jumbo guys on the side of the road with with water went over with, with my it. arm out obviously i wanted to grab one of their bottles but they were holding it for the first few jumbo guys and then once they saw me coming just put it behind their backs like nope you're not having that So <laughs> oh, i was like oh okay thanks then there's another one about 50 meters later i thought well i might as well try and get one from him he did the same thing so oh, wow. uh but to be fair, I think they probably got told just give bottles to jumbo riders. But you know, if I'd got a bottle of water then, I don't think I would have been able to get seven minutes back on VingerGuard on that <laughs> next slide. But maybe they thought maybe it was special water, I
1: don't know. But
0: yeah. So ah, I don't really hold it against them. I'll
1: just always remember it in, my, in the back of my mind. <laughs> well, it could have been worse. You could have got the, right, the right-handed the right haymaker that Thibaut Pinot got when he um, had a little run in <laughs> on the roadside.
0: Yeah. What happened there? I can't even remember. I remember seeing the video, but
1: it was a Trek twenty-one there, eh?
0: trying to give yeah, a bottle to-
1: He's got his hand out with the musette on it, and T. <laughs> He hasn't seen TiVo Pino coming. So maybe in the most Pino moment ever of Pino's career, Pino swerves to the right to get his bottle just as the arm with the Musette comes out and it clocks him, bosh, straight across the jaw. (laughs) Oh,
0: yeah, that would have been a nasty one.
1: Okay, let's have another question for one of our listeners. This is from Dave Beck. Dave Beck would like to know about the Ineos team dynamic. He asks... Do so you let the young guns, i.e. Tom Peacock, control what music you listen to on the coach and who gets the first shower? Is it the first rider back to the bus or is it the team leader?
0: Uh, it's definitely the first rider back to the bus. Well, there's two showers in there as well. Um, but that generally is the team leader as well. So, um, But yeah, with the music, uh, it was kind of split amongst a load of us, actually, this time. Uh, by Jenko? who's uh? He's kind of like the bus driver slash Swanee slash bit of a jack-of-all-trades. We told him to just put some tunes on most of the time. Luke did every now and again, but uh, it's a bit ropey, that, his his music. Um, <laughs> so, Adam the he's into uh, a lot of hip-hop as well, so didn't mind his. But, yeah, we mixed it up a bit, to be
1: fair. There are a few GTCC listeners who were freaked out by the day where you wore different sunglasses because for a lot of people, the easiest way to spot you in the lead group is to look for the white glasses. So when the white glasses weren't there, there was significant levels of panic that you weren't there.
0: <laughs> yeah, a lot of people said that and because um, Oakley had these special edition tour glasses that they wanted us to wear on a couple of stages. So I did that day, but then I realised that actually the ones I wear, I do have um, prescription lens in there as well, so that was my excuse to not have to change next time. So Just stick with the white ones, it? It's a lot more
1: simple. <laughs> Absolutely. And here's one more question from um, a few of our listeners, which was, uh, the single best meal you enjoyed on tour, and I think, bearing in mind what you've told us about the party, this needs to be the meal while the tour was actually in progress. Mm-hmm.
0: Um... We actually stopped for a subway before the final stage. Um, <laughs> that was because someone forgot to put the food on the bus. I think all the staff were a bit... Because for us, the riders, after stage 20, tour is pretty much done. If you don't have a sprinter in the team, you can switch off a bit. I think the staff might have switched off a little as well, Tom. Not going to lie. <laughs> and uh, So, yeah, someone forgot to put the food on. So we were like, oh, what are we doing for lunch? Then everyone would be like, oh, I don't know. So... We, would, we had to drive from wherever we were, down south somewhere, to Paris. Uh, we did like two hours the night before and then we had like four hours the next day. We were just on the motorway like, oh, want well, to just stop for services, get McDonald's or something. And then Tom Pidcock, he's got an app for subway and stuff as well, so he was searching for nearest subway and he got all excited that there was one in 30k 30k time down the motorway, so Stopped there, had a meal deal. It was it was good, actually. I was hungry, though, as well. But then, literally, that's all we had. So we had breakfast, just had a bit of toast, Marmite, poached egg, lovely. Didn't really eat much then, that was it. And then had the subway, and then the night. So, yeah, by, by Monday sort of afternoon, I was absolutely starving. <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah, I guess that subway, because it's just a bit of, like, Well, it's just full of... It's not the best for you, is it? Before the rest days, actually, the chef would make a nice little... Did a good steak one day. um, Mm. Did burgers on another day. So we did well. Not going to lie. Did well. Just definitely not going to have rice for a while.
1: (laughs) Just for future reference, what was your your subway order of choice? Was it footlong sub meatballs?
0: Well, this was another thing which... Tom couldn't believe and got really upset about, but they didn't have meatballs on the menu in France. Yeah. Not this one anyway, so I'm not, I'm not sure what's up in there. But, yeah, definitely a foot long, Tom, come on. And then, what did I go for? It's like an Italian BMT or something. Basically three different meats, two different cheeses. Mate, it's not good for you, but, you know. <laughs> There's a bit of, bit of salad on there just to make you feel better. And then some chipotle sauce thing oh yeah yeah a couple of cookies oh yeah sorted us right out
1: tremendous so um next couple of weeks Commonwealth road race is quite a flat course isn't it you fancying your Mm -hmm. chances because glasgow when you won it 2014 it was either going up or it was going down and it was raining all day yeah
0: yeah hopefully it doesn't rain all day this time but it's uh, it's a tough one because it is very flat a 1,000 metres of climbing, I think, in 160k, which I'd have to double-check to be sure, but I think that's probably flatter the, than any stage we did in the Tour. So it's pretty flat. Um, and Denmark is pound flat anyway, isn't it? So I, I don't know how we managed to do do more there. <laughs> Bridges. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's, um, it's going to be a tough one, but I think for us, Wales, we have to try and turn it into a bit of a nationals type of race where it's just a lot of attacking, no real control. Because obviously, Cav's going for the Isle of Man. Ben Swift is actually riding for the Isle of Man now. Is he? Yeah, he's changed allegiances. So, Cav will have a decent sort of team around him. I think Caleb Ewan is also due to ride. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the Aussies will be keen for a sprint as well. But then, you know, the English, the Welsh, I guess the Scots and, you know, the Kiwis will... Won't be too keen on a sprint, so I think it could be attacking race, hopefully, so that's what we want. We'll we'll just get stuck in, see what happens. I think the TT is probably my best chance of getting a medal. A lot more predictable, anyway, you know. If you're good, you you know. There's no tactics in the TT, is there? It's just uh, take your gilet off and hope your radio works. (laughs) (laughs) And you're laughing. (laughs) Because that that was what happened on 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 the last TT. My radio wasn't working, so... It was, and then one k later, nothing. And it was the type of course. There was a lot of corners, and yeah, doing one recon, you're never gonna know. So, but luckily, I had my Garmin, and I was managed to flick the screen and got the map on at least. So, did you? I had an idea of what was coming up, but there's nothing like, you know, the information from the car behind. And also, I didn't know how close it was, because um, oh well, yeah, I didn't get any time checks. And you can kind of when you're coming up to the time check, you can kind of see the time big, and but yeah, halfway through a TT, blurry vision really, and you're trying to like look, but you're also trying to still do you know 400 or watts, so it's quite hard to see the time. So, <laughs> uh, but I know I was kind of on a good day, especially when I caught Go Do as well. That was a nice feeling. Yeah. So he started two minutes in front of me, and he was obviously fourth on GC. So when I caught him, I was like, wow third place is wrapped up now as long as I don't do anything stupid on the last descent so it's two quite fast descent so we would have lost quite a bit of time on them but that's the way it was really so but I think yeah I think Van Art probably still went up the last climb quicker than what I did anyway so and 30 seconds is a lot at least if it had been like five yeah then it would have been annoying like oh, I could have had that stage if I'd had a radio but
1: So many unknowns. Well, we also need to turn this around a little bit now, G, and we need to thank our fellow members because there were so many GTCC members supporting you throughout this tour from afar and out in Denmark and France. And so many of you popped photos on the Facebook group of G on various stages. So here's a little shout out to some of you. Sorry if we've missed anyone, but this is a good list. So... Craig Goodwin, Jacko Nori, Tim Bembo, Jeff Dylan, Ruth Rod, Helen Standon, Dave Wetherall, Diana Cleave, Jamie Ashworth, Saz Mackay, Ian Townsend, David Bayliss, Gwyneth Bryant, Jeff Abram, Andy Andrew Hadfield, James Ward, Gareth Cheeseman, Mike Hedger, Simon Thexton, Neil Gray, Ruth Graver, Matt Williams, Piers Harold, Simon Stephen Smelly and Thomas Hansen. Not a bad list, G. Is it? There was also Can't a say lot. You without- like
0: a conductor, then, Tom. What are you doing with your hands? Like, what are you doing? Is he counting or is he like like conducting some sort of weird orchestra? Anyway, sorry, carry on.
1: Uh, I'm not convinced about Stephen Smelly, but we'll let him go. Um <laughs> There was also a lot of you out there repping the GTCC in style as G tore it up in France. And as a reminder, if you do want to rep the club in our very swanky cycling gear, just go to gtccstore.com and you'll find socks, bib shorts, beautiful jerseys, t-shirts, wonderful hoodies and water bottles. And also remember you can join our weekly club rides on Zwift 6 o'clock in the evening every Wednesday if you want to have a ride and a little chit chat. This week's route in honour, G, of your stunning podium will be on the Champs Elysees, led by GTCC regulars Kev and Andy. To join in, just go to Zwift.com and you can start your free trial if you're not already signed up. Kev Hacker, G, has asked when the Dream Team are returning to the rides. Um, I will be pretty soon. G, how about you? Uh, Yeah, I guess after the games, probably. I'll um,
0: jump back on for a couple. But, uh, yeah. It's weird. You know when you live like a monk for so long? You have one day and no. you... Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah. Well, it's... <laughs> when you do, <laughs> and then you have a day off, it feels like... Mate, it felt like my ankles were twice the size this morning. It's unbelievable. Are you
1: chubbing up already?
0: Oh, mate, I was like... I reckon if I weighed myself, I reckon I've just purely fluid retention must be at least three kilos. Like, wow. I'm like my nan used to be when she was like... <laughs> well, yeah big nan ankles on me.
1: <laughs> it's clearly in the Thomas family jeans. It must
0: be. It. Well, I can't quite get my jeans on now, Tom. <laughs> jeans no more.
1: <laughs> well, Gee, listen, it's lovely catching up with you and um, it was great fun watching across the past three weeks. Good luck for the Commonwealth Games, of course. And we will be back with the next season of the GTCC in September. We've probably really got quite a lot to live up to because we had in the previous series, the winner on Alpe Tom Pickock. We had the winner of the green jersey, Wout van Aert, and we had the Tours runner-up, Tadej Pogacar. So, listen, when you're not preparing for the Commonwealth Games and in the immediate aftermath, eating even more than you did in Paris, maybe start um, sending a few text messages out to your contacts book, yeah?
0: Yeah, we will do. I've got a few ideas, I've got a few people lined
1: up. We'll be all right. Nice.
0: Look forward to it though, Tom.
1: Sounds good, see you soon. See you soon. That was the Geraint right Thomas Cycling Club. Thanks to Club Secretary Louise Gawilliam, Head of Music Emma Hickman, Head of Social Fion Clark and our Honorary President Mike Carr. Most of all, thanks to you for listening. We'll see you next time. Crowd Network. A place where you belong.